Welcome back to Call Me By Your Game. This is a podcast where I, your host, Connor McKay, bring on a friend to talk about a video game that is special to them and why. Uh, We talk as much about what made playing the game special to them and what they love about it as we will uh, the context around when they played it for the first time and fell in love with it. And maybe, you know, if they have it, any other special uh, moments with this game, uh, that's the show uh, mission statement, but here's a little housekeeping for you as well. If you want to learn more about the show, you can visit us at callmebyyourgame.com. You can email us with questions, comments, concerns. If you want to share an experience you have about this game, uh, then email us uh, Yeah, at callmebyyourgamepodcast at gmail.com. And, and if you do email us, I'll freaking read it on the show. So there's some incentive for you. Uh, and then if you like the show, if you've been listening to it and you want to support us, there's a few ways you can do that. Of course, you can rate and review us on the Apple podcast store. My goal is for us to get 30 reviews by the end of the year. We have 20 right now. So I think we can figure that out. Um, and if you're intimidated by it, if you open your podcast app, you can probably do it in about 20 seconds. Uh, and then you can, of course, share the show with a friend. I know today's episode will have a lot of fans of this game, so please share it with anybody you know who loves the one we're talking about today. And then lastly, of course, you'll hear about it on our little break later, but uh, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash supernpcradio. If you like the show, you're going to like a bunch of our bonus content there. And coming up uh, soon, we'll, in fact... By the time this episode's already come out, the most recent one was done on Tony Hawk 1 and 2 Remake. Uh, So it's a giant, a fatty episode, if you will, where I get on a group of people to do a roundtable-style discussion of uh, one impactful game. But that'll do it for the housekeeping, Uh, and I will go ahead and introduce our fantastic guest for today. So please welcome Home Run Bat King, Final Destination Hater, and L-Canceling Master Albert Andrade, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to talking. Me too. Uh, and, you know, I mean, based off of, I mean, the, the listeners can probably figure out what we're going to talk about today, but would you mind introducing uh, the game since I just kind of hinted at it with your sure intro? Sure thing. I'm curious. The the three things you mentioned uh, well, was Final Destination, L Canceling. Do you know what L Canceling is? That's where you're like falling <laughs> in this game. And before, as you're about to hit the platform, I think you press L and it, it cuts down on your recovery time, right? Dude. Well done. I'm still Hell learning yeah. all these like advanced techniques, but the game we're talking about is Super Smash Brothers Melee. Melee, melee! Wow, uh, legendary game, dude! Legendary. Absolutely legendary. I'm excited to get into it. As I always say, there's sometimes I have a guest on the show to talk about a game that I'm not familiar with. Those are still just as fun, and in fact, sometimes can be uh, even more exciting because it's, I'm learning so much. Um, but this game, I also have a ton of experience with, so I'll be sure to share about myself today. So this is really about me today, Albert. I know, <laughs> I know you're the guest, but, uh, no, no, we're going to have to share time. The host, man. You gotta, you gotta dip in, man. <laughs> you know, that is so true. Um, Albert, we know each other, uh, through the improv comedy community. I'm pretty positive we met back when we were on mess hall like three and a half years ago um which is just feels like a century ago at this point (laughs) um but you're a wonderful comedian you also have a an awesome youtube channel that you just released your first uh video on it but why don't you tell us more about yourself or any 
dive into any of the things I already mentioned. Sure thing. Yeah. No, I think, yeah, we, we met in comedy, but um, aside from comedy, I do a lot of, um, I guess, by, but for work, I, I work on TV shows and, and post-production, sort of overseeing oh, yeah. editing and stuff like that. But um, uh, the YouTube channel is sort of a, a, a long gestating project I've been sort of thinking about for years and years now, which is really just sort of... Um, media criticism or media analysis, sort of looking at the intersection of video games and movies or video games and media, because I'm fascinated by both topics, both video games and just like filmmaking. And so right now, uh, as you mentioned, I just released my first video, which is sort of a, a sort of a, it poses the question, will the Monster Hunter movie be good? And I go into uh, the the tropes of uh, video game movies to the transition from video games to movies and and looking at the genre of giant monster movies it's a, a real fun video it is yeah. really fun I I consumed it as fast as I could which uh, thank you yeah of course it's uh what's the, what's your channel name again that's right it's a uh, Alby Player One my Albie name Player is Albert <laughs> I go by Alby sometimes and it's a fun little play on words Alby Player One. I love it. Uh, it's almost like I'll be player one. Exactly. So, oh, guys, it. I'm a smart cookie. I don't know if you knew that, but you got <laughs> it. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, and we'll be sure to plug that at the end of the show too, because I definitely want um, all of our listeners to check out your channel. Because yeah, I mean, I have couldn't have less of an experience with Monster Hunter, the franchise. Truly, have never played one of those games. Me either. Me either. I, I haven't even seen. Uh, the Rampage movie that's referenced a ton in that video. Uh, in fact, a lot of like movies with giant monsters I've missed out on, but I was still like really intrigued and just sucked in. I don't know. It just felt like you really spent a lot of time on that, but also were very thorough and insightful. So way to go, dude. That was awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm trying to bridge the the gap between uh, education and entertainment with these type of videos. And I'm hopeful that it's fun to watch, but you're also learning something, both about filmmaking and video games. I love it. You know, you you always struck me as an edutainment guy, so it's <laughs> oh, thanks, perfect. man. I was looking for that word, but Hell I didn't yeah. know it off the top. There of it my is. Head. <laughs> I have to. I also want to say this is unrelated to anything about the show, but I think your background, just your whole scene behind you, is my favorite scene. Uh, on someone's Zoom uh, that I've seen so oh, far. For the, you're for talking the, about my physical background. Your physical background. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, let's. Yeah. What if I was going the other way with that? I was like, like my Albert, history. I love your background. Where are you from? That would be horrifying. Um, but yeah. uh, I know just like your backdrop looks really great. You got a nice couch there. You got some oh, framed thanks, art, man. a plant. It's been- it's been months of Zoom calls of just adjusting. I was actually on the other side of the room, but I realized I have light over here. And then I just yeah. like rearranged everything. But <laughs> my favorite thing I'd like to point out and relates to this episode is I'm pointing to a piece of art in my background, which yes. is a framed piece of art I got in Seattle. It's an illustration. I forgot the artist off the top of my head, but it's a beautiful illustration of Smash Brothers. Every single character oh. as of Smash 4. I think that art was created at Smash 4 or around Smash 4. So it has these like beautiful illustrations of every single character in the game from, from that game. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, I've also recently been getting into more video game art and putting stuff up so I can relate. And it's fun to find something that's like, uh, it's like feels personal to you and it's like a little different. It's like illustrations, not the actual official art. So yeah. That's really cool. Aesthetically pleasing. The goal is I don't want to be embarrassed if I bring any adults over, you know what I mean? Yes. 
Absolutely. I mean, especially if you're like, well, I'm going to have someone over, quarantine, get tested. And then if you go through all that effort, you don't want them to leave immediately. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. totally understand that. Uh, there was this Onion article that was um, man has to make compromise in moving in with his girlfriend between the Marvel Cinematic Universe or the chic Ikea uh like furniture and the image they have literally looks like my backdrop, which is so embarrassing. <laughs> wow. Uh, that feel almost feels like you're being called out. Uh, <laughs> it really does. Oh, I'm so sorry about that. Um, yeah. Albert, did you have anything else about yourself or anything you're doing that you wanted to share about right now? Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, please check out Albie player one. It's a passion project. If, if you enjoy video games and just the art of filmmaking and sort of the, the intersection and cross pollination of the two, check out the YouTube channel. But aside from that, I'm also doing a, a recap podcast with my friend Caroline called heinously uninformed. Nice. Uh, last year, uh, the conceit of the show is that Caroline has never seen the show or know anything about the lore of the show that we're covering. Yeah. So she's heinously uninformed. Last year we did <laughs> the final season of Game of Thrones with her have only, having only seen like one or two episodes and we just jumped into the final season, which was a journey. And then <laughs> and now we're imagine. doing Mandalorian season two, which is going to be a lot of fun because she hates Ooh. Star Wars and doesn't know anything about it. It's just fun talking to someone that doesn't know anything about something I'm very passionate about. That is fun. Uh, and what yeah. a like journey to go on that ride together. That's yeah. awesome. Dude, multimedia yeah. person you are. Hey, man, I'm coping with this pandemic in Seriously. the most type A aggressive productive way and it's not healthy but i'm gonna keep plugging <laughs> you know it's funny uh i've been going through a lot of that myself i've been trying to remember and be reminded that like uh, a person's value is not i guess equal to your productivity you could do yes. nothing right now and you still have so much value but for me at least maybe i'm guessing you've ex been feeling some of the same things is that it's been actually really fun to try to do more stuff with your hobbies and interests, especially when we've got extra time on our hands. Totally. Yeah. And, and I'll cover this in the history, the history section of this podcast, but I was, I was very much a closeted gamer yeah. <laughs> like, over the past year. So this sort of pandemic, like most people are coming to terms with a lot of their value system, things that they value, things that they want to see in their lives change, partially because yeah. they're kind of confronted with a mirror that they're not particularly happy with. So for me, that has been leaning into a lot of the video gaming stuff that you know I put away because I'm like, I'm an adult now. But <laughs> the truth is, like, video games are like a multi-billion industry. It's true. It's the future. So yeah. there's nothing to be shamed uh, about video games, even... Uh, aside from the the capitalist perspective, <laughs> yes, oh, absolutely. Uh, and some of the some of the culture, of course, around it uh, is also like toxic and stuff. But you know, yeah. we're not necessarily responsible for that. But uh, like, I was seeing some stuff today. Not to get off topic even further, because I want to hear about totally. your history with games. It's just like uh, Cyberpunk 2077 was delayed again today. Again? Which, yes, again. Are you serious? Like, I think this is the third time. I absolutely understand. Uh, that people are hyped as heck for this game. I recently have become very hyped for it. I like yeah. last night watched a 45 minute video <laughs> done by Tim Rogers, who used to be at Kotaku. And it was, he does these like pre review videos where he like yeah. pours over all. Have you seen these? No, 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 no. It's, it's I really haven't. cool. He pours over like all of the, any, anything you possibly could of what is out about the game. Like there's a 45 minute gameplay video that was released a couple years ago at E3 and so much, so much more. And he's very familiar with the genre, but I was getting hyped over this thing. Um, and 
only to wake up and be like, it's been delayed. And <laughs> as much as I wish I could be playing it on November 19th, it's not the end of the world. And I saw so many people in the Twitter comments just like losing <laughs> their minds, but also people being like, I took off work on this day for this. I can't believe you delayed it again. And it's like, you know, I do understand that that is it's hard for some people to be able to request days off of work. I guess at the end of the day, I was just like, you know what, guys, we got some bigger fish to fry right now. Yeah. In the 100%. world. Like, yep. and so, and not that I don't mean to say that to be dismissive of anybody's personal feelings and their passion for games. Uh, but it's like, you know, truly like they're, if they need to delay a game, it's for the best. Yeah. Uh, and why don't you put your anger somewhere else where it's going to be productive? But Totally. That's my that's my high horse moment for the day. I know, but the, the truth is, like, that's another reason. Like, I I hid from from games because the fandom for these like communities that we enjoy are mm-hmm. really toxic. Like, they're yes. pretty awful. And I'll I'll go into a little bit of what's been going on in the Smash community. Yeah, because please. I'm sure you've heard about like just oh some my really awful stuff. So much going stuff on. that came out over the summer. Yeah, about so, like just I mean. Were you wanting to talk about that when we get into Smash? Yeah, we'll, we'll cool. get there a little bit later because it's a dark subject matter. But the truth is, like, fandoms are toxic. Absolutely. Like, it's, it's scary. Uh, well, that was the that was the high horse segment of the podcast, <laughs> yeah. the famous thing I do every week. Uh, I just usually don't label it. Um, but uh, thank you for sharing about yourself, Albert. Let's get in to your history with video games. I want to start with, and of course you can share as much or as little as you want, but I do want to yeah. start with, do you remember when you were first interested in a video game or if there was like a game that got you at first or was it sort of like a nebulous thing that was like, Oh, we had games always. Yeah. I'm truthfully, it's a little strange to say that I always had games around me growing Mm up. I'm, I'm the youngest of several siblings or multiple siblings. Um, but, uh, they, I lived with my mom and my sisters for the most part. Mm. And, uh, they, I guess like, I guess to not to get on, back on that high horse, like gaming is a pretty ex, it was a pretty expensive hobby yeah. right? back in the early '90s, and uh, games are expensive. And for like a new like a first generation immigrant family to have like an NES and SNES like those gaming consoles when I was growing up was like pretty huge. I'm like I kind of want to ask my mom like where'd you get the money to yeah. buy these <laughs> yeah. things because we're yeah. poor. But I remember like I broke the the NES when I was growing up because oh, no. I like put quarters in it because I thought it was like an arcade machine. <laughs> oh my gosh. But there's always just been games around. Yeah. There wasn't like one thing that like got me into it. It's just always been around. Yeah, that's you know, you're not the first to share that, but I always do like to ask because like I kind of just always had the NES around. So it was, I mean, I remember the first games I enjoyed, but yeah, as far as like an aha moment, I don't know if that really happened, Um, maybe for other things, but that's really cool. So what were some game, early games you were playing on those, on those consoles? Do you remember some you loved? Yeah. So I was like very much a Nintendo boy. You know, I was, we had the NES, like I mentioned, like Duck Hunt was like, you could shoot a gun at the screen, which was so much fun. I was like three or four when I first played that. I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> Playing that first Mario game. Like even like I didn't even, I couldn't even talk. And I was like holding, it was weird. Like I, yeah. there was just, always, everyone was playing games. And I just wanted to be with my cousins or my siblings that were playing. Um, but I think the game that like really took hold for me or like I took ownership over was Super Mario World. That oh, wow. SNES one. And uh, that, that game like 
I know all the little secrets and tricks because my sisters sort of like walked me through it because as a young child, you're just not good at games. So oh no, like, not so at they all. Just sort of like <laughs> showed me everything, showed me the ropes and everything. But I think, yeah, Super Mario World, the music from that game, everything just, I think that's like sort of like the emblematic game of my childhood. And then I got my own N64 and, you know, played all these like Paper Mario was like another big one. Dude. Just like a ton of Mario and Nintendo stuff, you know? Yeah, I can relate to that pretty hard. That's that's basically where I came from, and I don't, I didn't have a non Nintendo console. Well, so in two thousand five, that summer, I did buy a PSP, but I think I had it for a month. Um, but until just <laughs> two, a month, just I like I got it to play a couple baseball games, and they didn't work very well on it, so I sold it. I yeah, they had those UMDs. You remember those? Like, yes. it's like a it's a it's a small disc within a a cartridge. Which yes. was weird. <laughs> Very strange. Uh, it just didn't work out for me in the PSP. Um, but then, yeah, same here. I didn't. I didn't have a a non Nintendo console until I got a 360 in like 2012, the last year of its life. So yeah. So I can relate to that really well. Did you continue playing games after your childhood, like into high school and college, or did you have a dark period? Well, well, here's the thing. I was reflecting on like, uh, I, I, on, on my history with games and the truth is I've explored sort of every single ecosystem. So I started with Nintendo, went all the way to the GameCube, but at, at a certain point, like when you start breaking into like fifth grade, middle school, like the GameCube is now a, a console for children, right? Yes. Like, like Nintendo's for kids. Yeah. You got to get the Xbox. So then I was an Xbox boy and then I just like played oh. Halo and I played all these shooter games. I was like really into like first person shooters nice, and then uh, into late high school. So I was always playing games. And in high school, there was that PS3 hack. You remember that? When, when what the, happened the, with that? the Sony network was hacked and all these credit cards were, were like Sony that happens to Sony every so often. It seems. <laughs> yeah. But this was like a massive one. There was like Jeez. a huge leak. And then P, the Sony lost a lot of their fan or their consumer base. And so, I sold my Xbox and jumped on the PlayStation bandwagon because they're giving away <laughs> so many free games as an incentive to get people. So I'm like, oh yeah, I'll jump into the PlayStation. And this year, um, uh, as a gift to myself, I, I had some money saved due to all the travel plans I had that were canceled. Oh gosh. And I ended, I built a gaming PC. So now I'm oh. in the PC world, which has been Whoa. a whole learning curve. Oh my goodness. You have... It's you're like a well-traveled person, but when it comes to video games, yeah, you've seen yeah. it all. It seems I've, I've seen it all. I've been I've been through it all. <laughs> wow! Well, uh, congratulations to you and job well done on building that gaming PC. Um, Thank you. Is there? Have you been utilizing it a lot, or do you bounce back and forth between consoles still? No, I just uh, I think there's just something so much uh, more comfortable about playing on a computer where I can do a myriad of other things at the same time. Yeah. Like when I'm sitting on my couch, also it's just my couch, it looks nice, but it's really not comfortable. <laughs> and I'm like, it's not comfortable at all. And I just don't like sitting on my couch and playing games. I sit on my couch to watch movies. Mm -hmm. Like, so they're like two separate things in my mind. Like yes. computers for games and editing couches for like, like Borat 2, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Most couches are for Borat 2, so that checks out. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, mm. I've been utilizing it. I've been playing a ton of, like, just getting emulators and, and, and nice. stuff and getting a ton of, like, there's so many free games on the PC. Yeah. Like, I, um, I think you had a guest on 
uh, Teo, I think he, yeah. he talked about the Obra Dinn and I was like really fascinated by that. And it was on sale two weekends ago and I picked it up and that game is amazing. It is oh, nice. amazing. And that seems like a game that would be a little more conducive to a computer for whatever reason. Yeah, for so, sure. Wow. That's awesome. You hear that? If you're listening, Teo, your influence knows no bounds. Dude, that game is incredible. Yeah, I gotta tell you, you gotta play it. That that's I think Lucas Pope is the director of that game. And that game and Papers, Please, I really want to play, but still have yet to dive into. Okay. Yeah. So you're just you slowly you're one of many people to slowly push me over the edge to doing that yeah, so do it do it i'll make a little mental note uh do it <laughs> that's fantastic so aside from uh you know having a lot of fun with this gaming pc recently has there been any other games or have there been any other games that you've been enjoying as of late um no the the, the real joy of, of gaming for me is like being able to socialize and connect with friends yeah but a lot of my friends are on different completely different ecosystems i have friends in xbox pc playstation everyone's playing different games at different yeah. times on different systems so i just don't have a cohesive connection i do have a lot of nieces and nephews now that are playing games and oh. that has been such a joy to play with my like because I'm pretty good at first person shooters. Yeah. And so, but they're also very good because they're 10 year old, they're 10 year olds who play the game 24 seven. So I've been, <laughs> yes. I've been playing a ton of with them. And like, even though I'm like the old fart, I'm like that old veteran that like, Hell yeah. like I'm patient. Like I'm not, I don't have the quickest reflexes, but I'm, I have like the experience of playing these types yes. of games you're when patient, I was their age. You're calculated. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like, I'm the clutch, I'm the clutch member of, of my nephew's like 10 year old squad, which is wonderful. It's so fun. Honestly, it's really a joy. That's awesome. What, what first person shooter have you been playing with them? Um, I play Rainbow Six Siege with them. Okay. And, um, they like to play a lot of those battle royale games where it's like one versus a hundred. And yes. I'm just, I just, it just, I don't like those games at all. Yeah. I, I can't. I the only type of those games I can get into, which I think most people would argue doesn't count, is Fall Guys. Uh, oh, I yeah. like <laughs> playing that so much, and I like, but I, I really only do it if I hop on a Zoom with some friends. For the most part, it will be that that is really all I'll do. I, I will pl- occasionally play solo, but it's pretty rare. Um, yeah. But I also have a tough time getting into those normally. Yeah. Um, well, that's really awesome. Well, if you don't have anything else you really want to share about your gaming history, uh, we'll take a quick break and then we'll get into some Super Smash Bros. Melee. Welcome back to Call Me By Your Game. Today, discussing the classic, the legendary Super Smash Bros. Melee with, of course, Albert Andrade. Welcome back, Albert. Uh, the break, I'm sure, was thrilling for you. How are you doing post-break? Post-break, I'm doing just as good as I was pre-break. That for is sure. just what I like to hear. If we ever come out of a break and a guest doesn't feel that way, I've probably made someone uncomfortable. So, <laughs> uh, so I'm glad that that's not how you feel, but... Before yeah. we dive into your experience with this game, I'm going to share some history and context uh, for the listener. And of course, like I said, if you want to jump in at any time, share some extra stuff that I'm not sharing, please do. Go um, for it. Otherwise, here we 
Go. Super Smash Bros. Melee is a 2001 crossover fighting game developed by HAL Laboratory and published by Nintendo for the GameCube. It is the second in the Super Smash Bros. series and came two years after the debut in Super Smash Bros. on the Nintendo 64. Uh, it was created by director Masahiro Sakurai, who originally had developed a prototype, which I've seen a couple names for it, but yeah. the, the last one I heard was Pepsi Man, but isn't there just like some <laughs> dragon name for it originally too? Yeah, you know you're right. This? I've, 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 seen, <laughs> I've seen images of it and you're right. It has like, uh, there's like a Japanese name for it. I think there's like an Americanized version. Yes. I think a few things were lost in translation, but it really doesn't look like Super Smash Brothers at all. No, in fact, these like, so originally when he developed this, as you might know, there were these, instead of Nintendo characters, there were these nondescript fighters who to me look a lot like the first fighting polygon characters in in, yes. in, in 64. Yeah. They're just like these polygonal, like definitely humanoid figures. Uh, I've seen some screenshots where they're sort of on a, on a stage floating in the air yeah. and they have their percentages. Um, but yeah, just a far cry from what we know today. Totally. Um, so after developing this prototype and having a conversation, probably many, with uh, Satoru Iwata and Nintendo, they decided to pitch the idea to Nintendo, but with a twist. Uh, upon pitching the game, they told Nintendo that instead of using these generic characters, that they should include classic mascots from Nintendo. Uh, Nintendo bought at the idea. They they were like, yes, let's do it. By, by bought, I mean say they bit at the idea. Yep. Um, I mean, I guess they technically probably bought it as well. <laughs> um, but this first game on the N64 was a hit. And although there weren't initial plans for a sequel, a showing of the game at E3 1999 dropped up such excitement that that eventually led to the demand for a follow-up. Um, another little few things I want to share is that eventually uh, this this uh, sequel would become Super Smash Bros. Melee, and not only is this the best-selling GameCube title, it has remained a staple at competitive fighting tournaments and has spawned its own Smash culture, as you said, not free from its own controversies, flaws, and nuances. Uh, yep. Melee was an enormous leap over the first game and was lauded for its quick and nuanced gameplay, different but fun game modes, beautiful graphics, and mm -hmm. 26 playable characters and the series has of course continued uh since then with uh several other follow-ups but most recently super smash bros ultimate on the nintendo switch um yep. that was kind of a few bite-sized chunks uh about the series and how we got to melee but yeah. is there anything else you wanted to share about this game the history and context of this game in particular the, the history and context of Melee, I think you covered it pretty well. I think the 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 thing for me though is that there's all these like personal landmarks that I I I, um, I, I sign assign to gaming with yes. Melee. It's almost the game is almost old enough to like uh, order a drink at a bar. Yes, like and and that sort of sort of tracks the same trajectory of my sort of uh, I guess. Uh, grow growing growth into an adult right yeah. like I, I that game was with me when i was a kid as i went through middle school high school into my college years into where i'm at now and will probably be a timeless game to yes. be honest um but aside from that uh yeah the game um mechanically was kind of revolutionary because of the most fighting games you had a health bar right you you would you would fight until one of you was like dead but in this game you can technically you don't have a health bar you have mm -hmm. like this weird offbeat percentage tracker where like it every time you get over hit, 100 
Yeah, and it yeah. just keeps going up and up. And and the only way to really defeat your opponent is to uh, hit them so much that their percentage gets really high and they get knocked off the stage. Yes. Which was such a weird, <laughs> a weird approach to a fighting game, to be honest, because no one had ever perceived a fighting game like that ever before. It's Yeah, it's funny. This was... This series was my intro to fighting games, actually, um, for for whatever reason. So this is kind of what I got started on. So I'm like, yeah, this makes sense. But <laughs> but in the grand scheme, like you were saying, of the fighting game genre, this was like wildly different. Yeah, from very what we had different. seen before. And and likewise, I mean, I played some of the Street Fighter stuff with my brothers and stuff. Just it was around growing up, but I just never liked them because it didn't feel accessible. And I think that was the game's real main goal because they're showcasing all these Nintendo characters. They wanted the game to be really accessible for everyone. They wanted everyone to have fun because when you play an arcade with someone who's like really good, it's, it's torture. It's not fun at all. But when you play smash, no matter who you play with, it's going to be fun just because like, uh, you don't need to know combos. You don't need to know controls. You just, you just grab and you go. Totally. I, I'm I'm in agreement with you. It's I've played with people who even aren't the most skilled or coordinated when it comes to maneuvering a character in video games. But if I'm playing with them, I'll even do, okay, you and I will be on a team. You'll put yeah. team mode on. You'll play against two computers. I'll make the computers, you know, somewhat low and then just like bail your friend out when they need help or kick the crap out of a computer if they're destroying your friend. So exactly, you know, there's there's ways for people to enjoy it. I'm with you. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Why don't we pivot now and get into uh, start to get into your history with Super Smash Bros. Melee? The first question I want to have for you is: uh, Did you play Super Smash Bros. sixty four? Uh, I didn't own it. Uh, honestly, okay. my first exposure to the Smash fighting game uh, series was Melee, and uh, okay. so I never played sixty four. So I can I can tell you. Like the first time I saw Melee and what a life-changing moment that please, was. Please, please do. And did you, well, do you remember if you were aware of 64? No. No? I okay, had well, no, hey. I had no idea what Smash was. I oh had no gosh. idea. It was a completely foreign thing. I may have seen like cover art for it, but I'm just like, I was not a fighting game person. Yeah. I don't like fighting. I'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a pacifist. <laughs> you and me both. Uh, well, then let's get into it. When did you first discover this game? Okay, so in elementary school, uh, I had these rich, uh, my my rich best friend, um, who at the time when I met him in, in like kindergarten or pre K, um, was considered the world's youngest African American opera singer in the world. Whoa! Whoa. Yeah, so <laughs> he was like, he was just like this famous, like baby opera singer which was so weird sounds like the fanciest kid i've ever seen (laughs) oh he was awesome him and his him and his older brother jeremy they 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 eventually um moved away from the elementary school i was at i was kind of heartbroken because they were such close friends but um they moved to a house in riverside and those two guys were like the entry points for me in just tech and gaming. They're super nerds. I love them. I, I won't share their names because I want to respect their privacy. But yeah. <laughs> dude, they were they were always buying every single console, every single game, every single piece of tech because they had that opera money, dude. Yeah. Oh, we don't talk about the opera money enough. <laughs> we don't. We in don't. the world. Uh that's so funny. Are you so you said they moved to Riverside. Were you do you, are you from LA? I'm from LA, yeah. Oh cool. Nice. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I met them in elementary school. We, we like were best buds all the way to like first or second grade and they moved and, um, they, they, uh, they hit me up. They invited me over for like a weekend. Like, Hey, come over, just stay over the weekend. Let's just, let's party out. Let's eat pizza. Let's play games all weekend. Let's oh, do it. Sounds so good. Yeah. It was so, <laughs> and they were rich. So they had all this cool stuff. Dude, it was that's really the awesome. place you want to go for the weekend is a rich kid's yeah. house. That's awesome. Yeah. And then dude, they busted out the GameCube and they busted out. I, I know what a GameCube was, I, yes. I, 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 but they busted out Melee. Ooh. And I was just like, uh, all right, let's play this game. I'm not, I don't like fighters that much, but let's play it. Sure. And they, they, they crushed me. They destroyed <laughs> me. And that's a recurring theme uh, with Smash my entire life is I'm always the worst one playing, <laughs> but I'm also the one having the most fun playing awesome. also. But uh, yeah, they, they, they were, uh, they just introduced me to this game that uh, had um, all these like random characters that I kind of love. Like, I'm like, oh, that's a Pokemon. That's a star. I love Star Fox. That's Star Fox. Yeah. Like just these different characters from different game series. And I was like, just blown away that they could fight. I was like, what is happening? Totally. <laughs> this is weird. I feel like I don't know off the top of my head what the... If there were any other examples before this franchise, or I mean, sure, there were others of, you know, franchises mixing or like a bunch of characters coming together aside from like the Mario parties and whatnot. But like this did feel, that's one of the things that did feel special about this was like, yeah. wait, Mario and Link and yeah. Donkey Kong and who the hell is Marth? But he's here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause the thing is when you're a kid, you're always like speculating like, I want, who would win a fight Link or Mario or just like, like just yeah. like those little, little schoolyard, little, uh, little debates you had as children. Goku and or then, Superman. <laughs> But then this game actually provided you an arena to actually play out that fantasy of yes. seeing these characters play. And and you're right, like Mario Party, Mario Kart, like they did that. They had all these like extended care like these characters from the Mario universe. But this is the first time where I saw like characters from completely different franchises. Like Star Fox, I never saw what I mean, tech I think you did see what Star Fox looked like in one of his games, but yeah. you're flying a, a spaceship, right? Yes. Or a, a, an R Wing and and like uh, Captain Falcon, like I never knew who he was because I was just racing those like futuristic cars. So yeah. it was weird to see these characters, but it was super fun. Weird and so cool to have them fleshed out in like ways that made sense for a fighting game. Like you said, yeah. like you, we up until that point had never controlled Star Fox or Captain Falcon or many characters it was some characters at least outside of vehicles or a specific way, but now everyone's on this like 2d plane and they all have their own attacks. They all have their own jumps, their own grabs. It was wild. To yeah. See. Their, their whole moveset were like specifically curated based off like gameplay mechanics from their, their each of their own little franchises. Yeah. So sometimes I think, uh, I think they put in stuff that, kind of they had to just like make up like captain falcon he's a he's a racing person so like what <laughs> yes. kind of moveset do you make for them and Truly. i think that was fun for the developers of the game to like just sort of create a, a blank slate and just just create something from from scratch but then you have like characters like mario and leak where you have like a whole legacy of games that you can build upon yes uh that was so cool so when you're when you were first playing this game was there a moment of like wow or was it just like well this is cool let's just jump in and stay in this forever the the, the my favorite part of the the 
I, I guess the first thing that like really stuck out to me was the fact that I could I could win by just running away a yes. lot. <laughs> like, because in those other fighting games, you you will lose if your your health gets to zero. But I was just like uh, always like you because it's considered a platform fighter. Where, yeah, uh, you know most fighters you're sort of on the same level and you're just sort of fighting on a horizontal plane. But melee. And I guess the original Smash had all these different platforms. You had all these maps that were really diverse and different. There were also like maps pulled from game series like Hyrule Temple, the Pokemon floats, like all these maps were like so weird and different. And sometimes I could just win because the map would kill my teammate for me or my, my opponent for me, which was so fun. Especially one like the like you're saying, Poke Floats. You just if you could just survive the longest, yeah, you're gonna yeah. be okay. That's also like a. I think even that idea lends itself to something that I also find fascinating about the series, but um, of course melee as well. Which is yeah, you could be getting the shit kicked out of you, and as long as you don't fly off the stage to the border where you technically lose a life. Uh, or get knocked off you can keep like floating your character back and trying (laughs) to survive and you just get more chances at it which i always thought was funny even if you're getting the shit kicked out of you by somebody yeah you could still survive somehow and and then the other really fun aspect is like you i think in in the original smash there was like 12 characters yes in this melee you had like maybe 20 30 ish characters yeah and each character had its own like unique little personality and and trait and and like that was fun because you would just sort of you in order to be competitive against your friends you would sort of have to learn one character pretty well and so th- what started happening is people would start choosing their main character right you would choose your main and that Hell was always yeah. so fun because that spoke volumes to the type of person you were. Like, like if someone shows like Star Fox, you're like, okay, this guy's try hard. Like he's <laughs> he's gonna try to. He's one of those like losers that just will just play nonstop. And then there's like people who ch- choose like joke characters, right? Like I chose a joke character when I first started, which was Game and Watch. I thought he was so weird. I thought he was Dude. wacky. I thought he was funny. I, I love his that sound choice. effects were cool. <laughs> but he was my my main my main goal um, my main person uh, back in the melee days. That rules. Uh, yeah, that was such a fun thing about this whole franchise, which I, I full disclosure, I got to play, I got really into Smash 64 when I was introduced to it. So I was anticipating this game when it came out. So I got nice. to already go through like all the first 12 characters. When I first played it, I was, I was a huge Pokemon kid at the time in 99. So I was, of course, Pikachu. Who was it? Yeah. Good question. And Pikachu (laughs) was a great beginning character because he was, Pikachu is very nimble. The jumps are good. uh, And you also have Thunder, which is just kind of a super powerful move that as long as there's not like a platform (laughs) above you, it's kind of like a get away from me move. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, but I also, you know, had my mains. And I think by the time I got to Melee, I was... Uh, of course, like I would alternate between Fox and Link for the most part. Yeah, Fox because obviously super fast. You can rack up points with uh just using the blaster by points I mean percentage. Uh, mm-hmm. quick smash attacks, good jumps, and then Link. I Link is still my main, but yeah. for whatever Link reason, what were you saying? No, Link is good. Dude, Link Link's is great. Good. Combining the uh distance moves like your bow and arrow or your boomerang or bombs with 
just the master sword smashes was like where it was at for me. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was really fun to get into these characters and to learn what was great about them. In fact, I don't know about you, but one cool thing we haven't discussed about the game is its game modes. And one in particular that I want to discuss is the event matches. Yeah. So the event matches in this game was this set of, I think up to like, I want to say 50 special, like, I don't, what would you call them? Just like, I mean, events where they would pit you in it was special like a playlist, scenarios. right? Yeah, like a curated playlist of just different uh, like game modes, right? For each character, right? So yes. it, it was it was sort of working within the confines of what the game already provided, but they would like sometimes like uh, like if they would choose they would create a preset, right? So if you are doing a Pokemon battle, they would choose the Pokemon Stadium, and you would fight like against every single Pokemon yeah. character, right? Or like if if you were fighting against the Star Fox crew, then they would sort of put you on Corneria, and then they would put all the Star Fox characters. So it was kind of this cool little curated like snapshot of uh, each game series, and and it was through the event matches that you can sort of explore these franchises. It was really cool. It was really cool. I, I specifically remember the last one because you have to fight you have to somehow defeat uh and they're all on like level because these computers that you fight in the game they have a, a level range from one to nine one being completely useless might even kill themselves to nine is like lethal like a lethal yeah. computer yeah, it's a terminator coming for you it'll come out of the screen and kill you just yes. <laughs> that's how Crazy so ones. only choose nine if you're ready for it um <laughs> yeah. but i remember that final one i think is something like you fight a level nine Mewtwo, a level nine Ganondorf, and then a level oh, nine impossible. Giga it's, Bowser. It's so impossible, dude. Which is, which is like the final boss in the adventure mode. But the only way I could do that was by using Yoshi because oh. my best friend's older brother used Yoshi <laughs> and he told me that's how he beat him too was using like specifically Yoshi's, uh, if you jump in the air and then press down and mm -hmm. A, and of course every direction you hit, an attack with has a different move. So down in a, he does that flutter where he like yeah, kicks his feet a bunch, kick the feet. Yeah. You can just rack up crazy damage like that. And especially <laughs> yeah. to someone like Giga Bowser, or if the other two get in the way, the goal is like, all right, rack up damage as quick as you can try to knock one of these chodes off the stage yeah. and survive. But uh, yeah, those events were so cool. And I think beating that was like the most satisfied and proud I had been up into a, for a game up to that point. Yeah, dude, the, the, that game was jam-packed with so much stuff, so mm -hmm. much content, so to speak. I like so there's the home run contest, dude. there's the target attack, or I forgot what the exact name for Break it. Break the targets. You, yeah, yeah. You just like <laughs> the whole point the of the game is to destroy these targets, yeah. and then you could, and the more and more you play, you unlock these trophies, which are like ahead of its time where i mean because we have amiibos now for the switch and nintendo where you would have like a physical a plastic toy that didn't exist back then so they had a virtual version of that called the trophy system where you would have a like a virtual table like a living room table yes. where every time you completed a specific achievement or, or or accomplishment in the game you would unlock a trophy and the trophy would be sort of a representation of a character like a 3d model of mario a 3d model of zelda but it looks like a figurine and you would just collect these and like i remember as a kid and i'm about to blow your mind right now i've never owned the game i've oh, never wow. i've never owned it 
but I just have always had a copy or I've been around people who have have it. Oh my gosh. Partially because it's been around my entire life. Yeah. Also, I've never purchased it. Just so the listener knows, my mind was blown. Just want to be clear. <laughs> um, but that's, you know what? I don't think you're the first person to come on this show and not having owned the game, just have a special connection to it. Uh, yeah. One of my recent episodes, we talked about Dead Rising for the Xbox 360. Same mm-hmm. sort of thing. Patrick never, never owned, it. owned it. But um, that is so fantastic. These trophies were really cool. You, I remember you could get, like you said, if you, um, uh, I guess, achieve, like hit a special achievement with a character, I think each of the characters that you could use, you could get up to three trophies, which was like if you finish classic mode, adventure mode. Actually, maybe it's just those two. It might just be those two. And then the classic trophy would be a classic more classic rendition of the character, which was like, that's what made it fun to look at was like, whoa, Zelda looks old, like an older (laughs) version of Zelda. Um, But you also, as you went through this game, uh, what I'm sure you're going to talk about this too, uh, would you could, you would unlock just other trophies, like of non-playable characters, stuff that I had never seen. It was actually like teaching me the history of a lot of Nintendo stuff. Yeah, because every time you unlock a trophy, you can uh, click on it, and then yes. it brings up it brings it up into this like this close up view, and then on the side, it tells you what game it's from. It tells you the name of the character or item that it is, and it gives you a little blurb, like a sort of a like an encyclopedia for like yeah. Nintendo gaming history, which was really interesting and unique. Like I don't I don't know too many games that are that invested or interested in teaching you about the the game franchises they're showcasing in their game. Yeah, I'm not sure and I mean it's it seems very fitting as because this game feels like it is just a celebration of video games, you know, of course far leaning to the side of Nintendo, but um but for some people that is, you know, the history of video games. So yeah. I love that part too. I'm trying to think of like I was looking at some uh watching some videos to brush up for this episode. And a few of them was like, one was this character that was almost going to be included, but, but wasn't included. I don't even know their name. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm sure there were different, many different Pokemon trophies you could get. Yeah. It was just so cool. So it was jam packed. Yeah. So when you, I want to dive into a little more context of when you played this. So you went over to your friend's house in Riverside to play this. Did you, return to their house often to play? Would you play at other friends' houses? Like, how were you able to stay in touch with this game? That first weekend, my mom came to pick me up and I was dragged out. I was like, no, <laughs> I, I need to play more Melee. I need to beat these guys. Yes. And I like I convinced my mom to hang out. God bless my mom. But oh my goodness. I was like, literally, please, mom, can I just stay for like a little bit longer? And like, we ended up staying... In Riverside, like she came, she showed up like around six or seven. We ended up, <laughs> we left till like nine or 10 wow. at night. Because Job she well just done en- by you, sir. Yeah. She just ended up hanging out with uh, uh, my buddy's parents and just hanging out. But I was like, I got, I, I got the bug. They, yes. they were the, they were the ones that like really got me, um, like caught the bug for me. And ever since then, like that's the sort of story that plays out over two decades because the game was a staple in every single social ser- setting. Yes. Like, it, I'm going to embarrass myself because, like, from elementary school to even now, like, when my high school buddies and I can reconnect or everyone's in town, we gather on this couch or my buddy's couch, we hook up the Wii or the GameCube, and we just play Melee 
Dude, for hours. Nothing hours. embarrassing about that. I just want to be clear. That is well, tight as hell. <laughs> what about a prom after party where there's beer pong and a smash setup, or like like uh, a college party where everyone is just playing smash? Sounding even like, cooler, my friend. No, no, no. To me, don't it's say cool. That. <laughs> don't say. I mean, I I loved it because it was just sort of a staple of of just yeah. everyone's household, honestly, and that's why I never had to own it because. People would bring their system to my place. Yes. They would forget it. I would end up keeping it for a little bit Hell and yeah. I would take it to someone else's house. And it became like this little, like everyone had it. Like yeah. everyone had their own controller. Everyone had their mains. Everyone had their, their like settings. And it was just, it was ubiquitous around my, my entire life from That's... middle, from elementary school, middle school, high school, college to even now. Like I see myself playing this game with my buddies forever. That is so cool. I also just love to hear that. And I can relate to it. Too having, I mean, for I've been lucky enough to have this game basically since it came out, and and uh, even though I got rid of most of my GameCube collection, this was one of four that I kept until I started recollecting last year, and it's also been a staple. Specifically, I remember going to college and my friends. We would play this game all the time too, but on my Wii, my friend Brad in particular loved this game, became such a competitive thing for us to the fact that, or to the sense or degree that I think two years ago, he and his, and his wife were out visiting us. So some college friends came and met up at my old apartment and we busted out the GameCube and played Melee. Nice. It was awesome. Um, Nice. So I can totally relate to that. Uh, Another question I wanted to ask you was, who is your main and have you had a few mains in this game? Oh, in Melee? In in Melee, (sighs) it's, uh, I don't, I don't, the thing is like, I don't play Melee that often because I'm, the the thing I, I, where I'm coming from is that I played a lot when I was growing up and I, I can't. Well, that that's changed now because there's a lot of um, there's this thing called Slippy where you can play melee online, that and play it. Um, it's like a much better online infrastructure than the actual Nintendo game uh, Smash I Ultimate. I'm not surprised, unfortunately. <laughs> so like this like community of uh, the FGC, the fighting game community, specifically for melee, has rallied around specifically during the pandemic to be able to create emulators and ROMs and uh, internet infrastructure where they're having like online tournaments. It's stable enough to have online tournaments and you can play with anyone around the world. And it's all like community run. No one's sponsoring this. It's all run on like a Patreon that everyone's donating to. So the the community is thriving, but I don't play. I'm, I'm going to play once I set it up on my computer, but, but the, the, the skill ceiling is so high. Yeah. Like to, to play with some of this, these professional. They gamers. are so good. It is ins- the, the the thing is everyone started where we started, right? We were playing with our buddies on the couch and then everyone would just get competitive and you would just want to beat your friends. Uh-huh. And that imagine that sort of pattern of thinking gestating over 20 years where people <laughs> will focus on the game, find like glitches or or uh, uh, or little shortcuts within the the mechanics of the game to really yes. economize and streamline the the combat to be this you see gameplay of professional players playing now compared to when the game first came out. It is insane how much how much the competitive scene has changed that game. It is it's boggling. It's mind boggling. From yeah. I think a couple things uh, in particular have reached out to, or stick out to me, and that is just like the like you said the level 
and the degree at which people have mastered this game and figured out all of the little quirks of it. I feel like recently I heard that there was like a new tech discovered. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm just like, how do these people even know to do this stuff? <laughs> it's 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 just I probably the result of people spending so much time with this game and just yeah. trying things. Uh, but yeah. so that's been one of the big things. And then of course, like how huge it still remains. Like people yeah. want this. It is as much as smash ultimate has become like a very, a, a great competitive game. Melee is still so popular and is right up there with it. And I, I actually prefer ultimate now. Like mm-hmm. I think it's just melee. When I go back to it, it feels a little slippery to me. It feels like it's <laughs> like your mistakes are uh, more detrimental to you. Smash yeah. Ultimate, I think, is just it's just easier for me to play. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but Melee, I, I know for so many people, is like the Smash. Yeah. The, the thing <sighs> is, there was a shift in 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 personally where I went from a, a a person who played Melee for the first decade of that game, where in high school. Um, I watched I watched this uh, documentary about Smash Brothers called the called the Smash Brothers, which was like a eight hour long doc, documentary episodic. Each episode, and each episode sort of focused on, or the conceit of the the documentary was they were um, chronicling the the competitive fighting scene within Melee through the eyes of the seven best Smash players. Okay, uh, up to that point. So each episode focused on a specific uh, a player and, and that sort of era of the fighting game. So it's really, it really chronicles how this became this like fun little party game with your friends into a, a massive competitive scene. It's like a national and, sport now. <laughs> yeah, like it really is. Um, and so after watching that documentary, I stayed in touch online with the players that were featured in the documentary. And oh, cool. I, I like fell into the spectator sport. It's the only spectator sport like esport that I really keep up to. That's keep awesome. Up to date with. It's uh, it's the only one that I have cared enough to tune into occasionally. Uh yeah. for the same reason. It's just so fantastic and I'm also aware of some of the big uh, it's funny to be able to name some of these people <laughs> yeah. like Mewtwo King yeah. and Leffen, Hungry Box is someone I know. Um, it's funny, even talking about this, I'm like, well, this also is a reminder of just like the controversies they've had. Uh, it feels like an easy pivot point to that. We don't have to spend a ton of time on it, but thinking about someone else that I used to be super, that I was like, oh, this person's really cool. And I like following Mm -hmm. their content was zero who famously is a part, you know, was outed as someone who had like, how would you describe what happened to him? I can sort of remember. It's like he was inappropriate sexually inappropriate to someone who is younger than him so uh back and this is the, your uh, job by the way albert you have <laughs> no, to no <laughs> no just i've i'm i'm i was following all this stuff like yeah. i got sick to my stomach when i was reading all these reports because you're right i followed some of those people yeah. the people that were now called out for uh, uh sexual uh, allegations sexual misconduct or yeah. sexual abuse or rape and so the thing is at the height of the george floyd protest there was uh, a, a reckoning in every single aspect of our our society, and that trickle trickled into the fighting game community. Not mm-hmm. only melee; it was literally every single fighting game community had mm. these bad apples. Or I wouldn't even describe it as bad apples because it's so widespread and epi- uh, 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 like it's so widespread, and that it, you can't just attribute it to just a few people. Because yeah. in order for these 
uh, abusers to uh, continue their behavior for such a long period of time is you have friends and allies who are not speaking up or saying anything. Totally. And so the main subject uh, of what happened within the melee community in particular was, like I said, just a lot of sexual misconduct, sexual inappropriate behavior with underage uh, players. And because mm. these prior to the pandemic, there were these tournaments, you would uh, kids would go to different parts of of the the country, the the world, and compete in these fighting game competitions. Yet there's not that much parental supervision, nor are there. Is there that much like supervision in general? Sure. I went to one of these fighting oh, game no competitions way. like two a year and a half ago. I went to Genesis Six, okay. which was uh, a fighting game competition in Oakland, and I went. Be- uh, it was like the first major competition for Ultimate because I was really into Ultimate. Awesome. I was also going through like a a quarter life crisis where I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Let me drive to Oakland and compete in this fighting game competition. I'm so glad you went, uh, but I hear you. I got trounced, but I saw firsthand how wild and rabid the community was. Like, it's just really? a ton of kids. I felt weird being there yeah. because I was technically an old man compared yeah. to everyone else there. I'm like, what the, f- what am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> but the truth is, there was a lot of mis, uh, just inappropriate behavior going on, yeah. and like you said, Zero was one of the one of the people. And there's dozens mm-hmm. within the melee community alone, hundreds in in the fighting game community as a whole, and even more that are probably not documented just in within our video gaming community. So totally. this is all to say, like, make sure you stand up when you see weird stuff going on with, especially with uh, gamers who. Who are all of all age groups, right? Yeah, so. you know, especially it's it. I think in all areas of life, all these spheres, it's always hardest to speak up when it's you know the pe- people who are in power or who have a lot of notoriety. To it's yeah. it's harder to speak up, uh, but at the same time, like that, you still need to do that. And yeah. I think there's been a lot of learning that ever that has happened for everyone, and hopefully, this will set these communities on a new, healthy path that is inclusive and not inclusive to take advantage of people. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, also when this happened, there was so much that came out about just the games industry. So this isn't just yeah. isolated, like you said, to one sphere, to one community. It's a thing that every community. And group of people are dealing with yeah. so um but yeah it's just it was a it's a it was a bummer to hear all of that and to learn about so much that you know being this not being a community that i've ever been involved in still was shocking i was like oh my gosh like do i was like do i need to learn about all these people and like who did what to like <laughs> yeah to like know who to f- not follow but yeah but yeah. thank you for um for at least touching no, on that a little bit for me. Of course. And but and the reason I, I knew that it hit me so hard is because I was so invested after watching that documentary, yeah. you just and, and this is also the appeal of the fighting game community is that like like real life or just like like wrestling or any sort of sporting event, you follow these storylines and, yeah. and 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 con- like beefs, right? And so that like there when you see like you mentioned Leffen play against Hungry Box, yeah, there is a history there. Yes. They hate each other. They hate each other. Uh-huh. And there's so many little stories like Hungry Box is like one of the best players. Leffen is nicknamed the God Slayer because he defeated all the smash gods which yeah. were like the five best players ever and so there's like this like rivalry between them and that i think that's the most fascinating thing because each of these care each of these um 
specific like professional fighting players have uh, a specific mane that also sort of is an extension of who they are as a person. Leffen and most of these fighting game people are kind of assholes, yeah. but Leffen in particular, yes, he's a bit of an asshole, but he he talks a lot of smack and but he's able to back that smack up with just he's 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 extremely talented he's yeah. so good at these games and then you have someone like hungrybox who uh people don't like in the community there's so just to say there's a lore yes in in melee now and it's just continually growing with the advent of slippy and and online yeah. tournaments and and ultimate's doing great you know but right now the competitive scene for ultimate is at a, completely at a standstill yep. it's completely locked down because the online infrastructure just doesn't support it yeah it's 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 too bad that that's you know the situation ultimate is in it's I've, it's has everything to do with I would assume Nintendo not supporting their online infrastructure <laughs> the way that they should. Uh, yeah. It's frustrating, but it is just kind of to circle back on what we were discussing. I think that it has just been so crazy to see this game, this one game from 2001, uh, <laughs> yeah. just like just explode and continue to explode and have such a prominent place in modern gaming uh it's wild and it's also it's so cool to hear from you having followed it a little bit because it's been very peripheral for me so yeah like that also i'm just glad it would have been cool to have someone on the show because many people love this game to share about all this but it, it it's just a little extra cool that you know you've been at least interested in the the i guess the greater explosion or the yeah, outer spheres no, of this game. I, I, it's it's its own <laughs> ecosystem at this point, right? It yeah. has its own community. It, it could almost be like its own reality show. And yeah. some of these fighting, some of the tournaments are like, there's this one tournament called Smash Summit where all these professional gamers, pro- professional players, like the top 16 will go to this house and they like film skits and interviews <laughs> and in between sets. And then they have like, it's a three day event where it's just like a reality show where all these wow. like gamers are, uh, like working together. Some of them have like beefs with each other. It's, it's really such a fun, like reality spectator thing. That is so in. fun, man. Especially if you're a fan of that, like those communities and those ecosystems, it's like, Ooh, more of it, more of it, more of it, which is how <laughs> yeah. I operate with like the stuff that I like. Yeah. Uh, uh, but to answer your question, my main yeah. now is Jigglypuff. I'm, I'm, a, oh, I'm a Jigglypuff. I'm a Jigglypuff. Jigglypuff. And one of I'm the original troll. 12. Yeah, that's true. That's that's true. Yeah, the Jiggly, I love being one of the original four unlockable characters. That yeah. just kind of also showed how big Pokemon already was back in 99, that like two of the 12 are Pokemon. And they're yeah. like cute little cuddly ones. Yeah. Um, I, I, I choose Jigglypuff because uh, I like I like to troll a lot. Or I, I like to, I play very high risk, high reward, right? And so Jigglypuff has this one move yes. in melee in particular Sweet. that will just yeah that will just kill that will like if it's very hard to ha- uh, hit you have like a, a small window of opportunity and if yes. you miss you're you're uh, in- incapacitated for three seconds which will lead to your death but if you nail it ooh it is the most ooh it's the most satisfying thing ever it's honestly so it, it's like a high it's a dopamine rush every time you hit it part of that has to be the sound it's like the same sound as the, when the home run bat hits yeah, the, perfectly the, the it's bat. like this ting and it's, <laughs> it's so you see good. like a donkey kong or a samus go flying <laughs> it, it is fantastic yeah. i mean there's like even so many of the nuances of this game like that that we could dive into but yeah oh it's awesome um yeah. 
Albert, uh, was there, I've got a couple fun segments I want to do, um, before we wrap up, but for you, is there anything you didn't get to share or wanted to sort of like wrap up as far as like your feelings about this game go? Um, no, I think that pretty much covers it. I do want to just tell a very brief story, a very sad love story. So basically, uh, I was at a a party. This was a year after, um, high school graduation. And, and at this party, there was a ton of friends from high school there and some random people I didn't know. And, uh, this girl was there who, um, I had a crush on from middle school all the way to high school. Like we've known each other for so long. Okay. And she was there and she had just become recently single. And I was like, Oh man, this might, this might be my time. I'm like 19 or 18 <laughs> it's all at the time. lining up for Albie. <laughs> but then this is the tragic part. I, there's someone's playing smash brawl on the, on the, in the living room. And it's this guy, this like metal head with a red, with a red Afro. He, he looks like monster or Munster, the guy who drums in, in the Muppets, like the crazy oh, drummer. Yes, yeah. He looks like that guy. <laughs> and so, so I played handsome. him. <laughs> Real handsome. <laughs> but I played him and he destroyed me in my, oh. in my, and um, I was like, uh, and then that guy ended up making out with her like, at this like, party. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. And so I was like, that asshole beat me in Smash and <laughs> made out with her. I was so that heartbroken. That is like a '80s teen movie, like worst nightmare, right there. Yeah. It, yeah. Of course, with but, Smash though. But the the fun thing is, uh, her and I dated for two and a half, three years. Whoa! Uh, af- after this party, so. That was that's a wonderful button. I guess you did story. have the last the last laugh there. That's yeah. so fantastic. He oh. may be, but that's the thing. Like Smash, just I have all these pretty like pivotal life moments that are just smashes in the background or in the foreground. It's just it's a marker right through my yeah. entire life, which I think a lot of people who are fans of the game to this day will have these lovely memories, whether it's you playing with your buddies when you pulled out the GameCube or or me losing to this red mop head that <laughs> fucking <laughs> destroyed me. Oh, that is so funny. Gosh. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. And thank you for sharing everything uh, yeah. up until this point today. This has been so much fun. I mean, this is that we could probably do like a four hour podcast on this game itself, just yeah. getting into <laughs> everything about it the unlockables the rumors all this stuff but for now yeah, so much for now uh you know we'll leave it in the past and we'll move on to the, some post game segments some uh some i don't even know what i i always forget what i want to call them they're not dlc <laughs> who knows what they are but all right um we'll begin with the fact me by your game segment this is Let's a segment it. where i tell my guest facts i'll be interested to see if you know some of these, um, all three of these come from the fantastic uh, YouTube channel, Did You Know Gaming? And oh, here, great stuff. Such yeah. good stuff. Uh, and here is the first one. So did you know that some trophies in this game actually hold secrets? Um, in particular, there are some trophies, I believe, like Staryu and maybe another trophy where you can see a reflection of a city if like you were to zoom in on the image really close with a computer. And... It's it's not like a it's super well pixelated, but you can tell it's a, like an image of some city. And it was learned that this reflection is actually from an image of a city featured in a N- Nintendo Power segment about the eventually canceled Earthbound sixty four. Whoa! I did not know that. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> that, I didn't know. That's it, wild. It, it was crazy to learn this for me. Uh, but it's I don't remember the city's name, but it, like in some like. Hey, they're working on Earthbound 64. There was like a little image, and this is the image featured there, which is so funny to me. Um, yeah. 
I'll check it out. I have I actually have two Nintendo Wii's that don't that are not mine. I have a copy of Melee that's not mine. I have four GameCube controllers that are mine. So after this, I'm gonna check on. Oh, that please Easter. do! Like all this stuff is just stuff that my buddies, uh, you know, because I'm the hub for everyone. Yes. everyone comes here. I'm not stealing, Connor. I'm not. You know what? I'm not a thief. Uh, I'll I'll determine how I feel about that by the end of the show. We'll see. It's still up <laughs> okay. in the air. Fair um, enough. Fair enough. The second fact for you is that there were several uh, game developers who wanted to have their characters included in Super Smash Melee. So several quests were made to Masahiro Sakurai by game creators. Um, and the two that I have to reference today are Yuji Naka. And he requests, he was one of the original Sonic creators. He requested that Sakurai include Sonic the Hedgehog and Hideo Kojima requested Solid Snake from the Metal Gear Solid series. Did you know about this? For for Melee? Yeah. Or for Melee, yes. I didn't know that. No. Yes. I know they're they're characters now, but that's cool. Yeah. They, so I guess that like, uh, they were just requested far too late into the development cycle to where Sakurai was just not going to be able to include to include them um i'm just suddenly noticing my oh that's why my my microphone thing was funny i was like this thing keeps dipping sorry to get distracted there no it's all good um they just requested this far too late into the game development but as you said they were included in brawl the next installment specifically uh kojima's son was a big fan of super smash 64 and he told his dad that he thought it would be cool if one of his characters could make it into smash which is why he (laughs) hit up sakurai oh very cool i thought it was so cute that's um, so cool. And then the last fact for you today all has to do with the Pokemon Ditto. So the game's debug menu shows that there are plans to include Ditto as one of the Pokemon that show up after you use the Pokeball item. Uh, through hacking, the people were actually able to see uh, Ditto's animation of Ditto showing up on a stage, saying its name, and then disappearing. Um <laughs> The the theory here is that this may have happened too again too late into the development because uh, it was obviously cut and um, Ditto is even included in the player's guide for Smash Melee oh. uh, and it says that according to the guide Ditto would have appeared and made a copy of another player's character which I think the I would guess the reason that wasn't possible is because it would have included like potentially fifth or sixth, seventh, or eighth player models that this game couldn't handle. Yeah. I mean, even like when they did eight player Smash in Smash 4, that was barely, the system was yeah. barely able to handle it to where they like cut out the ice climbers. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah but that's a straight, did you, were you aware of that little ditto exclusion? No, I'm, I'm not aware of that, but I do, I, I did know that the game's development and sort of production run was extremely short. So I'm, and I know Sakurai, he's notorious for just being this ambitious, like genius. And so he's always trying yes. to put in stuff that just outside of the limitations of your budget and schedule, especially for Melee, which I think was made in like a year or less. Like it was a quick turnaround. It had to so. be short because, uh, First one came out in 99 and this one came out in December of 01. So, I mean, oh, that was like 2 years. Yeah, probably. It's probably less than that though because they didn't have you said like they didn't have plans for the sequel. So, probably yeah. didn't even start 
till later. That is crazy, especially like the leap that this one made graphically and it, everything about it is like makes it all the more impressive. Yeah. Um, amazing. Well, that will end the Factory Me By Your Game segment. The last one I have for you, Albert, is the game recommendation segment. This is my one forced tie into the movie Call Me By Your Name, where I'm treating <laughs> Smash Bros. Melee like your super passionate love that you remember from that one time um, that really marks a moment in your life, but you're eventually going to move on to new relationships. So that's what these games are sort of like, you know. Sometimes people, when they move on, they date someone wildly different than their last partner or like eerily similar to where everyone's yeah. like, that's the same person they were just dating. <laughs> um, so that's what these are based on. Great. The first one that I have for you is that you, if you want to play another game where you can play as what feels like a million different characters, I'll go ahead and recommend the RPG Suikoden 3. I've never played any of these games. But you can play Silly as coding. you can play as something like eighty characters in this game. What is this game? I don't think I've heard of it. <laughs> it's an RPG. I'm pretty sure they were maybe originally on like the Dreamcast, the first one, but they eventually were on like the on the PlayStation. Um, but Whoa. it's not a fighting game at all. It's an RPG. I think you can just like have a lot. Oh of, wait, I know this game. Yeah, I'm looking at art of it right now. I've seen this game before. Yeah. So if that's the thing you loved about this game, all the characters, that's the one I'd recommend. <laughs> uh, if you want another game where you are, you know, on on these platforms, maybe even sometimes in cities, and you want to kick the shit out of each other and other things, I would recommend the original Rampage. Uh, oh, or, yeah. or any of the rampages really which is so funny i, I mean <laughs> yeah. I, this is kind of me forcing a tie to your fantastic video sure um, but uh i just watching it yesterday i was like oh this is like not too far away from smash no it's a beat em, it's a fun little smash em up it's fun yeah i love rampage um and the last one i have for you is that if you want to play another gamecube basically launch title multiplayer game that's a bundle of joy I'll recommend Super Monkey Ball. Oh, dude, I love Super Monkey Ball. So much It's fun. been a while since I played it, but it's so good. In uh, January, I recorded an episode of this show because I used to do it at Jeremy's house back and way <laughs> back in the day. Um, back in the day. But we played some Super Monkey Ball afterwards, the two of us, and it was just like way harder than I remember. Dude, it's hard. It's very hard. <laughs> it's really tough. But also even more fun than I could have remembered. I was like, I oh, need that's to get awesome. this. Um, but that'll do it for the game recommendation segment. And Albert, that pretty much brings us to the end of the episode. So oh, thank you so much. Yeah, really of appreciate course. It. It's been so great to have you. Uh, this is really fun. I'm glad you reached out a while ago. You've tuned into a stream of mine. You've been more than supportive. So, uh, and this is always like a really nice chance to, like I've said before, uh, get to know someone a little better. That's like, you know, we're casual friends. We don't know each other yeah. super well. And look at us now. Now we know look everything about each other. Yeah, you know about my that red mop hat that took the love of my life. I'll never for I'll even hold a grudge against that guy too, even though it worked um, out for you in the end. Um, thanks, man. Of course. Well, it's been so much fun to have you. Before you go, um, I would just open it up for you to plug any and anything you want, even stuff we've already talked about today. Yeah, uh, just to recap, uh, check out my YouTube channel, uh, which also is the name of all the social media you can find me at, Player one A-L-B-Y, Player1, all spelled out. And uh, check out my podcast, Heinously Uninformed. We're coming back with season two of Mandalorian. I think whenever this podcast comes out, it might be around the end of the the, the season. So Ooh. make sure to tune in to the final episode whenever this comes out. But 
should be done by then. Cool. So that's some stuff for the listener to binge. I love it. Uh, and yeah. I'll include links to all of this stuff in the show notes. Uh, so if you're listening and you're like, uh, this is hard to write down, don't even worry about it. Look in the show notes. You can click links. It'll be great. Um, was that all you had to plug? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And uh, and just the last comment on Melee is that this, <laughs> I'm really glad no one had covered this because this, I felt a true responsibility and honor to talk about this game because I, I truly think this is one of the greatest games ever made. I think it is literally one of my favorite games ever made. And I, this was no, this was, uh, I took, I took this very seriously, Connor. This, this oh, I, I feel tell. like, I feel like I'm a shepherd for, for this game and, and the sort of community behind it. And, and I, I really appreciate you sort of doing this podcast and, and sort of inspiring me to sort of explore my little YouTube stuff. Sure. Because, the, the 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 internet communities regarding uh, video games and stuff is a little bit toxic, but yeah. you know the stuff the stuff you're doing is just so positive and, and wonderful, and I I love to see the video game industry or just community sort of take a shift into a more positive, optimistic, and just a nicer you know world. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, thank you. That was so so very very kind of you to say. Uh, uh, you know, that's I don't even know if that's like a goal I've ever had with this, but it just kind of has been what happened. And I'm really glad that's what it's been. And <laughs> that it's, you know, if it causes anybody to want to make more stuff, then hell yeah, we've done our job. Um, well, thank you again. I'll go ahead and close this out with a couple plugs of my own. Um, our cover art for Call Me By Your Game is done by at glenn.j on Instagram. You should check out their other work. They're fantastic. Uh, we, of course, have our Patreon that we've talked about on the show, patreon.com slash super NPC radio. Plenty of great stuff for you. And if you're not sure if you want to, you know, subscribe to that, but you do like our content, <coughs> excuse me i've got previews either in this feed or the video games and comedy show feed for you to check out for free um the show is produced by the great jeremy schmidt you should listen to his show video games a comedy show as i just mentioned you can follow me on social media at connor underscore mccabe and of course i have been trying to stream more uh on my twitch channel that's twitch.tv slash cons is cool 69 i've started scheduling stuff out so maybe i'll be sticking with that by the point you'll hear this episode um uh, but that'll do it for us on this episode. We will see you on the next one. Bye.